space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're joined by Commodore Angela. Hello. And, yeah, so, as we said on a couple of podcasts ago, what we're trying to do, because everybody's on lockdown and everything, is get more people involved with the show, come on, talk to us about Star Trek. Hopefully, it'll be a bit of a fun time, so... Angela, you're the first one who's brave enough to come on. <laughs> Always the first to volunteer. There you are. So, and we're, what we're sort of starting here is because uh, Discovery Season 3 is coming up. Are you up to date with Discovery? I am. You are, good, so we don't have to worry about spoilers. So, <laughs> the way we're going in Discovery Season 3 is we're jumping like a thousand years into the future. Uh, so, we thought what we'd do is like look at time travelly episodes in the way in between now and then. And there's a lot of time travel episodes, so because just recently we found out um Discovery's probably gonna be a bit later than they originally thought because they're having to do a lot of the post production work. Uh all the yeah. special on effects the, people are working on this from week's home. episode of Picard, which we we we're recording later, but I watched it this morning because on, on CBS. So not a word. And, and, the, and it has a trailer for Discovery at the start. Right. But all it says is coming soon. They've not given a date yet. Yeah, because it, the, there's a lot of post-production work still to be done and the animators and everyone are working from home remotely. So, uh, But we got a lot of time travel episodes to get through in between now and then. So... Well, crack. We're starting off with tomorrow is yesterday, which is the first proper time travel episode of Star Trek. Yeah, there's time travel at the very end of the Naked Time. Yeah, but it's it's sort of an accident, and they do two days, and it's sort of brushed off, and it's end credits. Yeah. Now you might be able to clear this up. Um, I'm sure I read somewhere that originally this was going to follow after Naked Now, and that it was going to be the thing that happened at the end of the Naked Now was what set this episode up. Has anyone, have either of you heard anything? You know, whether or is that just like a, a myth? I think I think people have put the two together and sort of come across, because in, in production dates, they don't follow on. Right, and okay. they'd follow on in production dates if they did. You're right, they would. Yeah, so that's probably not true then. But no, yeah, this, so this... Like, this is episode twenty of season one, and Naked mm. Time is episode six. Yeah, okay, I'll take your point then. <laughs> There's a bit of a gap. So before we dig into the episode, then Angela, you're new on the show. Tell us a little bit about. What what are your Trek credentials? I mean, obviously you're a Commodore, so you outrank me, but... Um... <laughs> um, my first Trek memories would be a Wednesday evening, coming home from Brownies and <laughs> just getting the last little bit, you know, the, the, the trio, the joke of the original series reruns that were running on the Wednesday night. Oh, uh, um, yeah. And then when we finally got a video recorder, being able to have them recorded and watch them the next day. Um, so that would have been in 1984, four, five. Oh, so you were late to having a video. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. we had, like, unusually, if, like, James knows what my dad's like with technology. Yeah. But <laughs> strangely enough, we had a video recorder in, I think it was 79. It literally that... got one pretty... It's, Pretty much when the first side hitting the shops. See, that is weird for you, Dad, because like, yeah, <laughs> I I rang them the other day and I said, um, "Oh, have you had your your text about staying at home? You know, it's the isolation stuff." And then I thought, "What a stupid thing to say! Of course, they've not had the bloody text. They're gonna have to wait for it. <laughs> gonna have to wait for it to come by carrier pigeon or something." Oh, but um, anyway, no, we we got our video recorder about six months after we got. A- Colour television. Well, that's what they were meant for with Star Trek. 
you know, I was watching that and, 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 and loving it. And of course, being 85, um, it wasn't long before the next generation hit the yeah, video yeah. store. And uh, the first episode we saw of the next gen was um, actually the, the second video that was released. Right. Which was... Um, the Naked Now. The Naked and... Now and... Um, oh, Code oh, of Honor. Tasha Yar with the fighting to the oh, death. Oh, Code of Honor is... Oh, it is Code of Honor. It's possibly the worst episode of Star Trek ever. I mean, it was, it was, it's definitely the most racist episode. It of is Star definitely ever. the mm. most racist. I mean, I, I I won't do an impression of what the guys say because it'll sound like I'm being racist, but I'm not. But oh my oh. god, it is terrible. Mm. Well, you speak, would not be allowed speak. to do that nowadays. No. Well, no, absolutely not. But Tasha was and still is, you know, a, a role model to an easily impressionable nine-year-old girl. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually yeah, it's awesome, but not so much in that episode because she's like, "Oh, Lutan's a bit of alright," and it's like, "No." Yeah, I, I quite like being beat over the head with a club and dragged off by me hair. Yeah, yeah, it's it, yeah. what is it? This it, it's problematic by today's standards, <laughs> shall we say? Yeah, well, the the first season has not aged well. No, has it? no. We have anyway. talked about this before. Whereas, see, I'm trying to link it back. Whereas the first season of the original series, pretty awesome generally. And this is, the fir- yeah. this is the first time we've covered a TOS episode in any sort of real depth. So let's have a look at this one then. So you start off, and this is unusual for an original series episode. Like, we don't start on the Enterprise. You start with like real scenes on what what then was contemporary earth and yeah i mean a lot of this is stock, Air Force. it's stock footage though they've not filmed this originally you can <laughs> you don't know it, it's 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 quite um yeah it's quite a different thing for them to do to just launch straight into the story yeah um, and without a this is how we got here yeah no that's it it just sort of jumps in it's in the 60s and you you get all this footage of the Air Force, and then you see the Enterprise in the atmosphere, and yeah, it's a great opening. I really it like it. It's a brilliant opening. Mm. And did you guys did you guys watch it on DVD or Netflix or? I've rewatched it on Netflix. Yeah, me yeah. too. I've got the lot on DVD. Obviously, the one I should on have Netflix. rewatched it on video actually because I've got it without. All the new effects. That's what I was going to say. But the oh, new effects, yeah. I think, look Actually, great. Actually, I've got that one on video. I'm not sure if I have. <laughs> the new effects, though, look excellent, I think. I think they've done such a good job with them. Like The, the only bit that was really noticeable with the effects was when they were toward, right towards the end of the episode when they're doing the slingshot around the sun. Yeah, yeah. And you can see that the sun is, is, is clearly a, a new thing. Um but but otherwise, it, you you couldn't see where they'd pasted new effects in. No, I think they've, I thought really. I think they've done a really really good job because they've they've maintained what it they've maintained the integrity, haven't they? Yeah, they, they've absolutely, not, yeah. They've not affected the story with it, like you know, with obviously the the big comparison is the Star Wars um, special editions, <laughs> blah blah blah. <laughs> and what they've done there is gone in and changed things and. Yeah. Altered the story and played Exactly, it whereas these don't, they augment what's already there, but just make them look that bit cleaner, that bit nicer, okay. and I I do like them. Basically, we, we get, this is the great thing about having Captain's Logs and stuff, that you can just have this, like, exposition from Kirk, and you don't need to spend a lot of time setting up the scenario, because it's just, you know, we have been hit by a black star, and it's snapped us like a rubber band and then boom that's it that's all you need yeah we have we have we've had to put a warp in full reverse to to slot to stop ourselves mm. yeah and it, is it and it's basically using the same principles of time travel that was set up in the naked time yeah it is yeah and also this'll this'll carry forward because this is basically what they do in Star Trek 4 it is so Except- Oh, go on. Except, except they do describe this, the slingshot effect, but Spock uses the words magnetic attraction mm-hmm. rather than gravity. 
Uh, which um, did strike me as a little odd, as a sort of a technical aberration. There was a lot in the first season, wasn't there, where how technical should they go? And there was still feeling the way around the technology of the universe and no idea that, you know, they they were still going to be doing this two seasons later or... (laughs) Well, that we'd be talking about... We'd be talking about it, what, 55 years on? Nearly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of... We, we no, get, I was going to say that astrophysicists have debated you know, the viability of it all so many times. Yeah, well, there's all them science of Star Trek books, isn't there? And mm. you know, I've never read them, so I'm, I'm not a good science guy. Like It will just go over my head. But what, what I'm interested in doing in this, uh, looking at the time travel episodes, is sort of digging into what are Star Trek's rules about time travel. And, yeah, you know, the, we'll... well, the rules are quite uh, are quite fluid in place. Well, this is it, and that, that's why it's interesting. That's what I want to get into. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you guys feel, but I generally think there's pretty much two versions of time travel that we get in fiction. There's the Back to the Future version, which is... There's one timeline, and if you go back and change things, your timeline changes, mm-hmm. and you know. But there is only one, and then you've got your Avengers Endgame one, which is multiple universes, and if you change one thing, everything spins off. And I think Star Trek generally is the Back to the Future version, and it except tends, when it doesn't want to. Except be. yes, precisely. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Agree with you there, Elliot. Yeah, no, um, it's you know, the main <laughs> exception being the whole Kelvin timeline that that exists mm. alongside. But but generally, in a Star Trek episode, you'll get someone buggers up the timeline. They fix it by the end of the episode. Everything's okay again. Generally, yeah, it's all about not polluting the timeline. Yes, but then we, you know, they do frequently, but. And we get well, some bring, of that. Bringing it back to this episode, um, the, the crew seemed particularly bemused at the whole, we're, we're when? What's going yeah. on? And they have no rules. They have no concept of non-interference or, or um, anything like that. And, and, and even Spock makes the most, you know, what, what we would now think of as a, as a beginner mistake in not considering Captain Christopher's offspring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and who we might interact with and all that. Yeah. He's done nothing interesting in time, so it's okay to That keep... was a harsh comment as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's like you've no yeah, you don't <laughs> Speaking of Spock and Ash comments though, at the start, when they're all like blah 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 and you know, the ship's been damaged and everything, he goes, If Mr. Scott's still with us, the power will probably come back on in a minute. It's like Alright, okay. <laughs> What are you saying? That he might be dead? Yeah, and then the lights <laughs> yeah, come on and he's well, like... Scotty was quite absent from most of the episode. He was. was. Putting a face on right near the end. But we do awesome. we do get all of the main cat, obviously apart from <laughs> Chekhov because he's don't come in until season two, but mm. everyone does pop their head round the door at least briefly mm-hmm. in this one and it's not always the case. But yeah, you're right, Scotty's... Do, does he have like one scene at the end or something? Yeah, right. when they're trying to compute it, and he's, he's saying, oh, but it might blow everything up, you know, yeah. as usual. But one thing that really did great me with this episode was the silly female computer. Yeah. Now, yeah, it, it bugged me, but then if you, you have this computer, it's like the same as what comes out in um, one of the animated episodes. Yeah. When the computer sort of goes mad. It's that same voice and carrying on in the same way. The yeah. The practical joker. It's a. Uh, it well, feels it sort of goes a little bit. Yes, dear. Yeah, like yeah, computing, dear. Well, it's explained that uh, they've had some repairs and. Yeah, and it's this is. I mean, I think the attitude to women is what dates the original series more than anything else, and I think I think it's better than a lot of contemporary shows were doing at the time. And I know at the time it was seen as very progressive, uh, but there are just bits that jump out and you just think, I can't believe... Well, you've, got, you've got when Captain Christopher first comes on board and he sees, like, female officer. 
And the music yeah. changes to sexy music for it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but, to be fair, you've got that sort of subverted by the fact that Captain Christopher goes a woman and Kirk goes a crewman. You know, so yeah. you've got Kirk going, no, you know, she works here, That this is perfectly normal. So, See, I always thought, I always thought, growing up, when we did, obviously. Um, speak the, for yourself. The, the girls, all right, all right <laughs> on, a bit before you. Um, yeah, Not much. The girls on the Enterprise, on the original series, the girls on the Enterprise, they'd gone past the point of being just considered equals, and they were allowed to express femininity mm. to the point of shortness. Of skirts and, yeah. and the enormity of, of things and it just was no one batted an eyelid pardon the you know the, the cross reference in there um and it, i always felt as a as a you know as a young girl that they, they'd already gone past the point of being too masculine to you know and, and losing gender identity which is something that we're facing in modern society now is, is you know if you're too girly or too ungirly it's it's not 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 really uh, appreciated in it and so but you know they were allowed to express their femininity in a way that they felt comfortable and it didn't detract from their job no this is something unless that, they were a yeoman <laughs> that, well yeah but um it, this is something i've heard um nichelle nichols speak about it's like people have said to her like oh you know did you think it was exploitative that you were wearing these mini skirts and everything and she said well no, because it was the 60s and the miniskirt was a statement of sexuality and, everything, and it was something that we did to show that we're, you know, we're in control of our bodies and, you know, we can wear mm. this if we want. And she's like, no, it, you know, that it was a positive thing. And, you know, so it, it is, I mean, clearly it were, was there, obviously, you know, to appeal to the male viewer as well. But, you know, it... The the miniskirt, I don't think it has bigger problem, but the the silly sexy music is a problem. Like it, it's like what's been said by Kirk going, no, no, this is a crewman, and that's good, but that's totally undercut by the silly sexy music that's going on. So it's a it's a weird thing that you've sort of got happening with it all. But yeah, that's it's a, that's a direction. Thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's the same. The same as the the window of of bright light over Kirk's eyes. Yeah, when the Shatner lighting, as they you know, call that's, it. That's a very forties. Um, yeah. Technique. Yeah, well, it's from um, it's from black and white films, isn't it? It's uh, to obviously draw attention to the eyes, and because you can't do it as much with makeup and things like that, it's. They used to do it as a a means of emphasising the eyes in black and white films, and it it carried over to colour. But I think they do yeah, like like these are still very early days of colour TV mm. for people working with colour and a lot still using black and white techniques. Well, this is it, and mm. a lot of people are watching it in black and white. So you've still like got to... I was originally. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, and you know you you've still got to do these things to to put it across, but th- that. As you said, that stands out as a really old-fashioned sort of technique and everything, as does, which we'll get on to later on, like the mm. the fighting is just <laughs> crazy. But um, there's a few other bits, like, Elliot, you were talking about sort of how the terminology and everything changes, you know, to do with the science and whatnot. But we at this stage in the series, they were still feeling out, like, what do we call things? And so you get. Well, a, I think I think they were still doing that all the way through. Yeah, yeah. TOS. I think it's only actually when we got to TNG that they started to set. Yes. That things were settled on what they were calling them. Well, the um, the even the, the movies, even the year, like you get the bit where the the guard says to Kirk, "I'm going to lock you up for two hundred years," and Kirk says that <laughs> that'll, that'll be, be about bad. right. And it's <laughs> yeah. And it's well, no, it won't. But the the first time we ever got anything approaching like a proper date in Star Trek is at the start of Star Trek Two. There's an on-screen caption that says "in the twenty-third century," and that that was the first time. Uh, so at this stage, you know they're just throwing it out there. Yeah, two hundred years later, it's fine. 
And you also get a reference to Starfleet Control rather than Starfleet Command. And he calls it um, the Air Force. Yeah, well, this is it. when he said Starfleet Control, I thought, oh, they, they've, you know, they, they've got the term Starfleet there at least. And then later on he goes, yeah, we work for a combined agency. It's the United Earth Space Probe Agency. And you're like, the what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they were very... It, they, they, used, they didn't check things clearly enough with no. different writers coming in and no, that's what it. they'd put down. And <laughs> as things have moved on, they get a lot stricter, don't they? The writers get told, this is what you call things. This is what it is. Yeah, well, they have the, the what is it, like the series Bible, don't they? And they, yeah. they go back to it I, and everything. But I, I, I don't recall any other episode, you can correct me if, if, if I'm wrong, but having food uh, replication units in the transporter room. Um, the first appear, um, I actually went back and looked at this <laughs> to see. <laughs> and the they appear sort of about halfway through season one. Mm. You see them, you don't, but this is the only episode you see them used. Right. And mm. by season two, they're gone. And <laughs> so right. Like the transport room actually didn't changes. Like the chicken soup. <laughs> well, the transport room changes quite a bit. Or yeah. Where the control panel is over the first season, and it's obviously there's this panel, and they were obviously just lifting it up and moving it so they could get cameras around it. Oh stuff. yeah, and it's obviously one of them. Well, we wanna we wanna show this so we can have the bit of him being like, oh my god, the technology, blah blah blah. <laughs> But we don't want to go and film another scene on a different set. So, you know what? Stick it in the transporter room. It'll be right. Yeah. But them them food replicators, I think they're actually there. If you go back to, um, oh, which one is it? Where he he gets duplicated. Oh, uh, Enemy Within? Enemy Within. I think that's the first episode where they're actually there in the transporter room. Right. But then if you go to... Into season two, they're gone. Right, fair enough. Maybe they, it was just this guy were giving away free food far too often. <laughs> like, we've run out of chicken soup because of this geezer in transporter room just giving it to people. Yeah, I agree. It's very... I, I always thought, like, Scotty goes on about how temperamental the transporters are and you don't want to mess with this, but you can have a cup of chicken soup over it. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, just don't, don't spill it. You'll be right. Going back a little bit earlier in the episode, there's a bit where they first pick up the plane, and Spock says something about um, there is a plane approaching, possibly armed with nuclear weapons. Like, you what? This little fighter jet's got nuclear weapons, has it, well, Spock? Well, the thing is, it says possibly in, like, at the t- well, yeah, at this stage... Yeah, it could say it's possibly armed with elephants. And you don't know how... How accurate their history books are on this? No, true. Of which, and some pl- and planes were flying around with nuclear weapons, so you don't know. So, yeah, well, I also okay. got the feeling as well that this this was set obviously filmed in oh, 66. Five, sixty-six. Um, they were they were anticipating it being in the very near future. Yeah, it's, um, it's set in sixty-nine. Yeah, so. I think that they possibly anticipated a, a, a greater acceleration of technologies and weaponry um, in, in the space race than actually happened. Yeah, that's true. And it, and obviously, I mean, the other big one is like they talk about uh, like the eugenics wars being in the 90s. Mm. And, you know, we, we, but again, well, series well, it's like his Captain Christopher's son's the first step. Part of the first astronauts to go to Saturn. Yeah, ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we do get a bit carried away, uh, don't we? With the uh... yeah, like, but you can like. Uh, oh, what's that series on Apple? What's the series on Apple TV where it's you've said about the Russians with the, no, it's a new series um, where oh, the Russians get to um, the moon first. The Ronald D. Moore one uh, yeah. for all mankind. Yeah, all mankind. All man- I'll write that down. Um, but it shows that if when the Russians get there first, there's actually an acceleration in the space race. Yeah. And technology because the Americans are then chasing. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's sort of, it's born out of the Cold War paranoia, isn't it? And um, yeah. all that stuff. So and I'm, I'm sure if the Russians had landed on the moon in 1970, yeah. there'd have been more of an acceleration. Yeah, they probably would have done. Instead of the Americans but... cutting the moon program. That's it. It was kind of, we've got there job done, forget about it sort of thing, and, it, and it's been pretty much like that for a long time, hasn't it? But then... Well, ever since. <laughs> but I suppose the other thing is, like, we are bound by the technology, and uh, until somebody does crack faster than light travel, which you know may or may not be possible, the moon's pretty much all we're going to do, so it's um, yeah, it's an interesting one. So let Let's get on to like the central sort of dilemma of the episode then. So it's it's Captain Christopher. Do we He's keep him? He's given a lieutenant's uniform. He is, yeah. They, they used to do that a lot in the original series, didn't they? They'd just be like, stick this on. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they're getting something more appropriate to wear. Yeah, you put a Starfleet uniform yeah, on. Yeah, but he could have gone round ordering ensigns to do stuff. Mm. Like, he could have really abused that. And and I mean, it's not like they've not got any midshipmen that just wear those really attractive overalls, is it? <laughs> oh yeah, the overalls. So yeah, they could have stuck him in one of them. But um, yeah, it's it, well, take it's, off your orange jumpsuit and put this red one on instead. There you go. <laughs> yeah, or the blue one. They used to have some in blue ones, but yeah, they did. It's sort of like almost a dry run for Star Trek for some of this. Like you know, they they've got the don't interfere and all this stuff but then it leads to okay we've got to go down and we've got to get the the camera roll so we've got to do that and then we've got to not be seen and you get the security guard uh interrogates kirk and that's a bit like the bit you get with chekhov in star trek 4 yeah and it's it, all this we've got to cover it all up and everything well i, I felt that the uh officers were about as uh, effective as stormtroopers on valium yeah they were a bit rubbish Mm. And you you get the main guy who they beam up and he just sort of stands frozen on the, the, <laughs> in the shock. Yeah, for well, ages. Bear in mind, he's involved in the moon mission. The you know the big mission. The, the yeah, that's there. true. Oh, yeah, the air force. He should be a bit higher. You know, better trained. You'd think to <laughs> not crack under the pressure quite as much. But yeah, and then. This is the bit where you sort of were talking about time travel and everything. Like, so they decide, right, we're going to go back and it's going to accelerate in a way, it's going to make us go back in time and then it's going to fling us forward in time again. And what we're going to do is we're going to drop them off in the exact place we took them. And somehow, Almost. almost. And somehow that'll make them forget about everything. And it'll, it'll all beam them into the bodies. And it'll also remove any evidence that we were there. Because, like, when they beam it Christopher... Well, this is it. It's a bit... Like, when they beam Christopher back into his plane, the Enterprise is gone. But it shouldn't yeah. be. Because they, they were still there and that all happened and then they went yeah, back it, again. Like, like it's, a, it's a very... It's the first yeah. proper time travel episode, so... You can see it that the they've got the idea that you can't interfere in time. You've got to yeah. keep things right. They can't have ev- evidence of them being there. You've got to put the people back where they were, and you can see that they're working on it. You yeah. can, yeah, but it's it's almost it's almost a bit of a cop out. I feel because it's you know they go through the whole rigmarole of the episode is we've got to beam down and we've got to grab this and we've got to grab that. But then if what you do at the end basically means that everything never happened anyway, you might as well have not bothered beaming down and <laughs> collecting all down. the shit. And, you know, so... Yeah, now, it, I remember seeing this, like, I'm older than, than you. Like, I remember watching this in the 70s. Oh, bless. I know. <laughs> but I had no problem with how they put the time, how they've beamed them back down. No. I, I don't think I've really got a problem anymore because I've had that initial thing. Yeah. It's I only mean, because, like, since seeing this, I've had another, what, 40 years of time travel shows well, that's and films it. And, I, and that, that I've seen other ways that it's done. That's it. The problem is, we think we know how time travel works. 
which of course we don't because it's bollocks. So, <laughs> you know, but we sit here and we go, well, no, that wouldn't have happened like that. And it's it's like the other one that always got me is um, Superman the movie where he spins the earth backwards. And I'm all right yeah, with that. I, I know obviously that's rubbish, spinning the earth, but forget that. I'm okay with that. Let's say that spinning the earth backwards makes you go back in time. Fine. But then he doesn't change anything when he starts it going again. So the same thing would just happen again. And that so that don't make sense. But but you know, that 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 was in the seventies. And so yeah, we, you've pretty much got to accept when we fix time, we fixed it. Now shush. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much the Which is which is what why well, it was a lot back then. It was, it's, yeah. It's only as it's only as like people have wanted to write new time stories. Yeah. Where you've had that you get more complicated with it. I think and convoluted. It was a lot easier back then to fix things in time. Ah, <laughs> oh, see now you, you need. It was a simpler time. <laughs> well, shall we then? Shall we move on and talk about the Enterprise episode then, and see how we do time travel? Uh, so, what was this? Two thousand four. So yeah, this is about two thousand and four. So we forty what, years later. Forty years later. Yeah, and we're doing time travel again. So. The episode we're looking at here is E Squared uh, from Season 3, right near the end of Season 3. Yeah, Season 3, Episode 21. Yeah. There we go. It's approaching the end of the Zindi arc. Yeah, it is. I was surprised how close to the end of the arc it was, this one. Because it is a fairly standalone episode to say it's, it's right in the middle of that... Well, not right in the middle, right near the end of that arc, but... um. So this one, different take on it entirely, really, isn't it? It's the en- the Enterprise, our Enterprise, the Enterprise of the present time in the show. See, this is why time travel gives you an headache when you've even got to talk about it. <laughs> so the Enterprise... Enterprise as we- Prime. Enterprise Prime. No, because now you're on a Prime timelines and Kelvin timelines and... <laughs> Uh, Archer, the Archer Prize. The Archer Prize. The Archer <laughs> Prize. Doesn't time travel in this one. You know, I know it does to set the thing up, but we, the crew that we're following in this episode doesn't do any time travelling in this episode. No, they don't. So it's a different... They're about to. They're about to, possibly. <laughs> so we're coming at it from a different angle and everything. Yeah, well, the actual episode... Starts on the other Enterprise. Yeah, it does. With old Topol. Yeah, old Topol and a brand new crew. Yeah, and it's now, you must find uh, Jonathan Archer. Yeah, the like they're there with miss with miss stopping the probe, which is the first probe that hit Earth. Yeah, and wiped yeah. out the uh, seven million people. Yeah, and is it Florida the attack? Yeah, Cindy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they got a massive. Up. Yeah, yeah. Well, big long line. So they've missed doing this, mm-hmm. and they're on the Enterprise, and it's a whole different crew. We've got to go find Jonathan Archer now, and then it goes, it cuts to sort of our Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's one of them. It's sort of a dilemma episode, kind of this one, isn't it? Now, yeah. It's it's. I think it's quite clever. Is this? I think they missed a real uh, trick that they could have done here. Cause like Enterprise was struggling a bit ratings wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the crew wasn't that popular. Like Reed was an awful oh, character. Reed's rubbish. And I didn't really like. Is it Tucker the driver? Uh, Mayweather's the driver. Tucker's the engineer. Trip. No, that's Trip. Right, so Mayweather, the, the driver, is a bit weak. And they had this great opportunity here that they could have just rebooted with a new crew. Yeah, I suppose they And let the done. Archer Prize get blown up. <laughs> uh, it would have been a bit I'll go, I'll go back in time and oh, these God. just carry on and solve the mission. <laughs> yeah, I suppose they could have done, yeah. No, they, they needed... Not so much light relief, but they needed a diversion because the whole series had been pretty dark and we'd seen some very nasty behaviour from Archer. Yeah. Start, starting with, you know, threatening to space that pirate guy. 
yeah, um, yeah. That, and, and actually meaning it. Yeah, oh, he yeah. does get no, no bluff. Um, no, he does get very the dark. Whole, the whole thing, um, you know, the the the, the mental toll that um, Archer and Topol have gone through. They've gone through various mm. things that were life changing and catastrophic. Um, and we just needed something that was a little bit aside from that, without being the fun episode, if you like, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it, like it is a very dark season, and even this. This is quite dark, this episode as well. Yeah, but... I, it, it isn't like a really light episode. No, but I take Angela's point that it, uh, it... It needed a break from the story. Yeah, it pops its head above the water a little bit away from the Zindi arc and... Well, it, the whole Delphic Expanse thing was just... Oh, it was well, the whole The whole idea of that was that it was... That was meant to be Enterprise's way of winning the viewers back, wasn't it? We're like, we're going to do this season-long epic, and it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna re-energize it, and we're gonna jazz up the theme tune a little bit because that'll make all the difference. Like, no, scrap it. If you're gonna do it, just get rid. Like, I watched this the other morning uh, to make notes for this episode, and um, I was there, and Chloe's doing a, a work from home thing, and as soon as that came on, she was like, "You can turn that down." <laughs> soon as it, it you know it, it's been it a is, long um, get it turned down it's a marmite tune isn't it no it's a crap tune there's no one who it likes is, it no, I, I have seen where people do really love it but it's it is that's why i say it's marmite you literally do love it or hate it I'm, there's no in between you don't very, sort of it doesn't grow on you time, ever the very first time i saw the title sequence for enterprise i was wow that's really quite sweet, and it brought tears to my eyes. But you know, uh, I got tired of it very, very quickly. I think, I think the visuals are great. Like uh, the visuals, visuals are brilliant, awesome. and they, yeah. and they carried those through with Discovery. Yeah, I think, and, and Picard, obviously, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're doing similar style. things. Yeah, mm. but yeah, the tune, I'm not a, a fan, but. But then the tune that they use as Enterprise's closing music's not too bad. I think they call it Archer's theme, and you know that's mm. all right. That should have been theme tune. But anyway, we 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 run the risk of just moaning about the theme song too much <laughs> if we. This is very very similar to the DS9 episode Children of Time. Um, mm. You know where they got the planet and yeah. And it's it, got a similar theme. And I think the you know D, the DS9 episode for my money does this better. Um but I'm I'm not so, you know, I enjoyed this episode, but I I just think it's it's been done better elsewhere. But then I think they are doing a bit of a different take on it, because in DS9 it's all about the dilemma of, well, do we take off knowing that it will destroy the people on this planet or do we allow ourselves to crash so that these people will exist? Whereas we don't really get into that in this one. It's, no, it's like the mission still has to be done. Yeah, and it's it's left a lot more open-ended. You know, it finishes with that bit where they say, oh, well, maybe they never existed because we got through, but wait a minute, why do we remember them? And yeah, so it's, uh... you, we're not, we're doing a similar concept, but the debate around it is totally different if if that makes sense like yeah it's it's like it's a funny one it's like when the <laughs> enterprise starts attacking them yeah and like i have a problem with this like because the prime enterprise at this point has been through hell in this delphic expanse yes it's barely holding together it's it's really been kicked hell out of when this other one this other one it's had 127 years of repairs and upgrades. Hmm. Why doesn't it kick its ass immediately? <laughs> um, Why are they so evenly matched still in a battle? Because... <laughs> they got no warp cord. They got no what? They wanted to steal it. They wanted to um, take his warp cord, didn't they? Oh, that was it. Yeah, they need the warp coil. Yeah, but it's still got... Should have better hull plating, possibly shielding by now, upgraded weapons against a ship that's literally falling apart. True. In fact, you it's know... 127 years of repairs and upgrades. In fact... Your trip died. 
Trip, trip did ah good point yeah it ain't shortly got... after shortly after becoming a dad so maybe his spawn and, and the other people are just no good engineers yeah ain't got trip skills going on that's why this this Possibly. enterprise Possibly. has got trip <laughs> but i tell you what i did like as soon as we saw him we knew he was trip's son yeah there was just something about him yeah even though he was older than him you could tell that yeah 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 i think it was the haircut maybe Possibly. <laughs> but yeah, you do. It, 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 sell, it, it was sold like it was Trip's son. There was no doubt in who it was. Yeah, and there's some really good scenes where, like, the two of them are, are bonding, like, where they're doing the work on the thing. And it's like, oh, um, you know, did I, did I show you all this stuff? And, you know, it's quite sad. It's like, oh, no, well, you didn't. And, you know, there is some, some really decent stuff. Another bit I really like is. Where they're all talking about, like, oh, have you found out who you marry, or do you know what oh, you're yeah. doing? Hoshi, and yeah. yeah, there's Hoshi, and she's talking to Mayweather, and then Reed comes up, and he's like, yes, well, um, no- nobody married me, and I'm just all on my own, and, <laughs> and they just sort of look at him like, yeah, and then they both piss off, like, <laughs> nobody likes but, him. What gets me about this whole thing, like, is... A part of it is, like, Hoshi's quite right, and she goes, well, these are the third less, only a third of the crew women, so people were going to be get left out. Yeah. But it, it, then well, you have Dr. Flox, who's everyone's had nine right. wives on this ship. <laughs> so he's that, had more than his fair share. That's true, actually. <laughs> were his wives on the ship? No, it, no, like... But it says in the, the new... The, the, the terminology's the, driving the, me mad already, and we're only on time travel episode one. Yeah, in, um, like wait, this ship that's gone back in the past. Yeah, that he's had he's uh, had kids with nine different women from the crew. <laughs> yes, well, yes. So, so he's having nine, and they like, Reed can't get one. <laughs> yeah, I, he is a bit. He's sort of a pitiful character, is Reed. But what I like about it is that the they don't even try and make him feel better, really. Like, they do say that thing about, oh, yeah, well, statistically, blah, blah, blah. But they just sort of look at each other and get up and go, <laughs> like, well, we're not sitting around with him listening to all yeah, this. can't do with this. Come on, off we We've go. We've heard it before. <laughs> yes. He's always like that. It doesn't matter. And then he tries he tries it on with someone, doesn't he, at the end of the scene. He's like, oh, yeah. hello. Like, go away. Rubbish. <laughs> Well, no, how much effort did it take to find out what, what flavour birthday cake he wanted? That's true. It could have taken quite a bit. Um, yeah, you know, I just... It's not exactly the easiest get-to-know person. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. I'm just thinking, though, like, what flavour birthday cake? They're usually just sponge, aren't they? Let's make a sponge cake. Oh, his... There was a... There was, they, they were trying to do... I think it was Hoshi and... Yeah, you're right. They were doing the investigation to try and find out what, what flavour his birthday cake should be. And it turned out to be he, he took a took an enzyme to stop having an allergic reaction to something. But why would you bother taking an enzyme to stop having an allergic reaction to something unless you actually liked it and wanted to eat it? And it turned, I think it was rhubarb or something. See, that sounds like Reed. He prefers rhubarb-flavoured. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like rhubarb-flavoured that I'm allergic to. Yeah, oh, yes. I, I like rhubarb-flavoured <laughs> that much that I'm going to take a tablet to let me eat it. It's like, you know what? That's too much effort, mate, especially for a crap-flavoured cake. Yeah, it is. Anyway. Well, I do like rhubarb and custard sweets. Yeah, but not as a cake. Nah. <laughs> so there's the thing with the Tapols, isn't they? Like old Tapol basically warns young Tapol that the plan's not going to work. So it seems at the moment that um, pineapple. Sorry to interrupt. Pineapple. Pineapple. Oh, that's not quite as bad. No, pineapple upside down cake's nice. Uh huh. We're talking about pineapple birthday cake, not upside down cake. <sighs> there's no upside down in space because of the. <laughs> The gravity, so that is a confectionery that no longer exists in the future. Um, so yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the the plan here is Trip's son basically wants to kill the Zindi himself. Now he's decided we're going to do gonna it. He's going to complete the mission. He's going to complete the mission, and that's why he's trying to talk Archer into you've just got to go in and 
go back in time and blah blah blah. But then yeah, you just carry, you do what's been done. Yeah, but and we'll finish the mission. But to Paul's like, no, no, no. You you can get there in time. You can meet Degra, and that, so that's kind of the the central dilemma, isn't it? Yeah, it's that that you can that you can still get through, complete the mission, and we can go through as well. Yes, that's it. Whereas his original thing is they say instead of going through, you're going to go round, which means you won't get to meet Degra. So we'll have to finish the mission. Is that yeah? Yes, yeah. got it. So. Obviously, that doesn't happen in the end. They decide to go through, and they do that really cool thing where there's like the two Enterprises, and we're filming it. See, this is the thing with space, isn't it? Because obviously, space is three dimensional. So there's one Enterprise hidden under the other Enterprise, and we, the audience, get this cool thing where it flies out under it, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, there was another ship!" But you're moving through three dimensional space, so one the bad guys just look and go, well, "There's two ships there." <laughs> well, you'd think so. You would Unless it's that close together that it looks like one. I, I, I thought that there was a bit of a, a cut there when there shouldn't have been. Right. To explain that the, the, the space around them was, was, was full of all this stuff and causing sensor anomalies. And ah, okay. Reflections. Like, like Khan in the cloud. In the, yeah, 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 the Matara. Matara Nebula. Nebula. Yes. No, I'll go with that then. So that's just me being overly nitpicky. And yeah, so that's pretty much the plot, isn't it? They they get yeah. through say well, they, they get through to meet Degra and it is it ends on this ambiguous note of well what's happened to the the other mm. crew kind of thing. And well, we have time travels achieved in a different way as well here. It is, yeah. So that like, that's... so we've had in uh, tomorrow is yesterday. Yeah, it was through a black a gravitational pull of a black star. Yeah, which is never back, and then they got back by slingshot around the sun. This one is by yep. uh, the impulse engines destabilizing the subspace corridor. Yeah, okay, so that's yep. two different ones. We'll um, we'll try and keep track of it as we go through, but um, yeah, it seems to be pretty much a different way of time traveling every week. It's uh. Oh, not every week, but every episode we do it. It's a fairly yeah, common... Yeah, there's a few different ones. Fairly common hazard, isn't it? But um, I think... I think I prefer the... Out of these two, I prefer the original series episode. But I do think this is a pretty strong Enterprise episode. It is, I think it's quite a nice... It's a good Enterprise episode. And, I, and it is a moral dilemma of, of it. And we've got, like... This is what happens when you get stuck back in time. Yeah, that that they've uh, they've obeyed the rules, they've not interfered. Yeah, or the, they've interfered as little as possible. They've just stayed on the ship, got supplies when they can, made lots of babies. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a cool concept. Is the fact that it becomes a generational ship, and yeah, they're still they're, gonna they're, de- they're deliberately gone out of the way not to pollute the timeline. Yeah. Which is odd, really, because they know the Cindy's off to do this thing. So they could have stopped it like 127 years ago. That's true. They could have just gone and kicked off on the Zindi planet. You oh, and... that's the, just the biggest plug hole. Yeah, <laughs> and the, the other thing is, you're saying, yeah, they're sitting there going, right, we're not going to interfere with the timeline until the Zindi launch the weapon, then we are going to interfere with the timeline big style. And mess it all Which up. Which they fail at. Which they fail at, yeah. One thing to do in 127 years and they get <laughs> yeah. it wrong. You, you had one job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I, I, I thought if if I can draw a, a, a parallel to a, a, another well-known sci-fi series. Um, yeah, of course. It, it felt it's similar to the dilemma in The Girl Who Waited. Oh, yeah, the Dot 2 one. Yeah, where Amy stuck on... Um, two streams and they're only gone for a few minutes but for her many years yes past, i remember when she she's an old lady. yeah with the hand box and everything um and rory was like you know do we try and go back and save his amy or do we save the woman that she's become yes yeah and given right. the option there's both of them yeah no you're right there is a a parallel between that and it 
That's something I would have liked him to have dug into a little bit more in this episode, would have been the, well, should they, if we do this, will that stop them existing? And I know we've done that in the DS9 episode, but it's so similar in concept to the DS9 episode, it feels like we we should be having that debate. But to cite another well-known, or maybe not as quite well-known outside of the UK uh, TV show... This is pretty much the same plot as that episode of Red Dwarf where the old versions of them come back in time and they've got the upgraded Starbug and it's got the better weapons and they, oh, God, yeah. they have a space battle with them. This is pretty much that episode. And then, then, Well, apart from the fact that the older version's just completely mental. In Red Dwarf or in Enterprise? In Red Dwarf. In Red Dwarf, gone- yeah. They've gone, they've gone nuts. Yeah, where they are, where they say they have dinner with the Hitlers. And like, well, as long as you avoid talking politics, it's... <laughs> yes. They're right. Anyone who's not seen Red Dwarf, just go go watch it. Yeah, Red Dwarf it's is... Seasons one to seven. No, not seven. I'd, miss, I'd skip seven. I liked eight better than seven. It's just seven... Four and five would do. Yeah. Up to series five, six, you're pretty much on... On good ground. And some of the later ones. But anyway, we risk becoming a Red Dwarf podcast, which, you know, if this isolation goes on much longer, we've probably got time for a Red Dwarf podcast. (laughs) So we shall see. Um, Shall we wrap it up there then, guys? Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, 2D. Yeah, it's been excellent. Will you come on again further down the line? If if you'd like me to, that'd be grand. Hey. You're the Commodore, you tell us. But um, <laughs> but yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, guys, um, we're on Facebook, look for Retrek. Uh, we're on, what's the other one? Twitter, at RetrekPod. <laughs> and you can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. But for this week, then, thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.